lights, camera, announcement time. It's pretty epic, right? I'm working on my intros, trying to mix it up. Hey, coming your way with some announcements. Wednesday, March 23rd, that's this upcoming Wednesday, Jam Night again. It's our favorite night for all of our musicians to come in and play some songs. And if you're a singer, you're welcome to come too. Uh, there's chord charts available on the app if you wanted to get a head start practicing the songs. That's this upcoming Wednesday, March 23rd, 6.30 p.m. Also, coming up, April's a big month here at the Vineyard. April 6th, One More Youth will be meeting again. That's for uh, 7th through 12th grades. Uh, that meets here at the church at 6.30 through 8. We're going to have our uh, bounce houses up and obstacle courses up. So it's a great time uh, for teenagers to come to church. Also in April, April 8th at uh, 6 is our Easter VBS. We're super excited about it. The kids are going to have a great time. Uh, they'll have the, the bounce houses up for that event as well. Uh, they'll have some other games. Uh, they'll have crafts and uh, snack time and Bible study. So it's going to be a great night. So sign up your kids on the app. If you can, sign up to volunteer too. It takes uh, a good number of folks to make those events happen. Also, Easter is in April, and Easter weekend is going to be amazing. April 15th, we're bringing back our Good Friday concert. That will be April 15th. That's a Friday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, we'll be doing a baptism April 16th, and then, you know, we're doing our normal weekend services. And on Easter Sunday, April 17th, we'll have our sunrise service at 6.30 a.m. We'll be here, and we'll do an indoor sunrise service which, you know, will make the sunrise happen on the screens, and there's no mosquitoes, and there's coffee. So you really can't beat that. So uh, keep those events in your mind. Check out the app for more info. And with all that said, and without further ado, come on, you know what's coming up. Let's get ready for church. Woo! Woo! All right. Welcome. Uh, those of you joining us online, we're getting ready to go here. Worship was awesome at 8, so... It'll be even better now that you're with us. And then I'll be in Philippians 4, 5 today. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So I'm looking forward to that. So get your Bibles, get a coffee, get comfortable, get ready. Here we go. Woo! Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We, uh, in between services, I had to, like, reboot a computer, and I had to test something. And it was uh, our VBS cartoon DJ. He went, yo, yo, what's up, party people? And I was like, man, if I could start church like that with that much energy, <laughs> just imagine the things we could accomplish. I mean, you can go ahead and try. Yo, yo, what's up, party people? <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring when I do it. Oh, okay, that went way better than it would have gone at 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> They've that, had some coffee. that 9.30 a.m. flavor. Yes, right? it's our, our spice. Our spice. Yes. Okay. <laughs> You go ahead. I know. You just wanted to derail me and I, see if I, I know. could get back I, on. You know, I, yeah. <clears throat> Thanks. <clears throat> You're welcome. Hey, what's for lunch, Doug? What's for lunch? My mom just asked. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have enough to feed everybody, so I'd rather just keep it to myself. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, great hearing all the chatter and hearing you all fellowshipping. We're verbing that. Fellowshipping. And... Um, I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do today. So, without further ado, 
We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. We are introducing another new song to you guys this weekend. So look forward to that. After worship, Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are in Encourager Part 12 today. Before we get into any of that... Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? We love your presence, Papa. It's the best place and we never want to leave. Papa, we thank you for all that you're already doing in our hearts and our lives. And we invite your presence deeper. As we're gathered to celebrate you this morning, God, will you ready our hearts and open our ears so that we can hear and receive what you have for us. Papa, we want to be the people living with your love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We want all of you pouring out of us. So that we're hitting each person around us with your attributes. So we're showing them the love that you have for them. Papa, we want to walk in your overlap. So help us to draw closer to you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty God, consider the heartfelt desires of your servants. And stretch out the right hand of your power to defend us against all our enemies. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gather here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the spirit, please come partake. Remember and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into worship, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst. We'll see the words pop up on the screens. You guys are welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. We speak to the mountains.
giants come calling my name My God is so much bigger than troubles I
trials, the trauma, the difficulties. Through it all, through it all, it is well because you're holy. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well. With us, you're in control. You're in control. You're in control. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you please anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us, and use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you be with those working with the children. God, anoint them, give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, everyone. Hi, boys. Hi, how are you? Awesome. So we are going to leave the Old Testament part of the Bible, and we're going to the New Testament part of the Bible. So this... Wait, this part. Oh, we're going to the old, uh, the New Testament. Because we've been in the Old Testament, right? And we're going to learn about two people. 
Paul and Timothy. And Paul, right, was one, one of the leaders of the church, right? He was a friend of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and he was also a missionary. Do you guys know what a missionary is? No. Kind of like, no? Kind of like a mission? Good. Yes, they do have a mission. You're right. They go to different places and they share the love of Jesus with people. It's amazing. So Paul was like that. And Timothy helped Paul. And, but then Timothy became a church leader and Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, right? Reminding him how it, what it is, what it looks like to live for Jesus, right? And how to teach others to live for Jesus. And he told them in this letter, he said, things are going to get really hard. Some people are not going to live for God, he told them, right? He said they will love themselves and they will love money more, right? He says they will be proud and unloving, right? They will disobey their parents. He says, but you, yes, you, you must not live that way, he told them. Yeah, he said, that's right. Yeah, you know, you're right. And he told them, remember everything that you learned and believed, right? God's word will help you, right? It will help you to be safe. It will help you to know how to live for God. He knew that that was very important. And he told them in 2 Timothy 3.16, he said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Isn't that a good thing? I'm so happy that I'm able to know what it is to love God and to live for God. Are you guys happy too? Yeah, right? So cool. Okay, are you guys ready to help me with the Bible verse? All right, so guys, ready to repeat after me? Ready? 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture. All scripture. Very good. It's inspired by God. Very good. And it's useful to teach us what is true. What is true. Nice. Very good. And make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. Excellent job, guys. Good job. Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hey, baby. You want a sticker? Yay. Good job. All right, guys. So now we're going to, we're going to pray. Don't go yet. Come back, guys. We're going to pray. <laughs> Oh, that's for when it's your birthday, okay? They got the sticker, got they're gone. right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Are you ready? We're going to pray for you, okay? Let's bow our heads. Awesome Come job. On. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray, okay? Ready? Father in heaven, we are so thankful, Lord God, that you've given us your word, Lord God, that helps us to live in a way that honors you, Lord God, and that honors others, Lord. I pray that the little ones will love your word, Lord God, will follow your ways all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thank you. Amen. Go have fun.
I think the way that they run off is a pretty good sign that they're having fun where they're going. I can't hear six feet away. Wasn't important? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Very nice. It's all good. Welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you with us today. Welcome to those of you joining us online in the, the first day of spring, as I heard this morning. 11.33 it starts, so there you go. So we're not quite there yet. The last day of winter, I guess, is what we're experiencing. But we're glad you're with us. Today, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, that QR code that just popped up on the screen is for you. If you were to point your smart device at that with a camera on, a link will pop up on your phone, and that will be uh, that will take you directly to our digital connect card. That would ask for your name and your phone number and your email address. Let me tell you, we'd love to have you fill that out. But if you fill that out, you will get a series of texts and emails from us over the next five or six weeks, okay? So just expect that to happen in response. We also have a gift for all the first-time guests. If you didn't get one on the way in, guest services on the way out, and they would be happy to give you your first-time guest gift. I have trouble saying that quite often, so that actually went pretty well. We uh, are praying for our neighbors. This is something I ask you to do throughout the week as you're walking around your neighborhoods just to keep them in prayer. As you're sitting in your homes, just think about them and pray for them. And then when we gather corporately, we pray for them together. So just sort of get your neighbors in your mind for a moment. Think about them. Let's go to the Lord. Papa, we pray again for our neighbors. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. And God, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us to be good neighbors, God. Help us to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Keep it up. Prayer makes a difference. And there's a lot of our neighbors who need to come and know Jesus. And that's, uh, that's at the heart of what we're doing. So, thank you for doing that. We are in a series called Encourager, uh, 12 weeks in. I'm not going to quite finish it before Palm Sunday and Easter, um, but we will pause it there because I want to talk about Palm Sunday and Easter when, when it's appropriate, and then we'll come back and probably finish it the week right after. And then uh, my son, Pastor Doug, and I are going to do a series right after that on the fruit of the Spirit. So we're excited about that. That's the direction we're moving, just so you know. But we're not done yet. In this series, a couple of sort of focuses about encouragement. One is the ministry of encouragement itself, you know, Holy Spirit, known as paraclete, which means to come alongside in comfort, that, that this idea of encouragement is, is at the heart of what He does. And as people filled with Holy Spirit, it's supposed to be at the heart of all that we do. We live in a very discouraged world. Our enemy is a discourager, takes courage away from people, but we're to be encouragers. We're to be encouraged by all that God is doing and who He is in our lives so that we can then put courage into people to love God follow God, trust God. That's what it's all about. It's a really important ministry. So we spent uh, the first 10 weeks really looking at one passage, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. 
Uh, because the other thing that I'm trying to do in, in this series to really encourage you to hang out in the Bible, just to take a passage and dwell on it. Not the, the Bible is not like books, most books. It's not one and done. You just don't read it to be done. It's designed. It's divinely inspired literature that's divine, uh, designed in such a way that the more you read it and spend time with it, the more God reveals of himself to you. And so it's a lifelong thing. And uh, and so I'm going over passages that I spent years and years hanging out in already and doing it again now with Philippians 4, 4 through 8. It's one of my absolute favorites. And yet hanging out in it more and more is revealed because that's how he does what he does. And so last week we were in uh, verse 4 of Philippians 4, 4, talking about rejoicing in the Lord. We introduced Barnabas, uh, who's... That means son of encouragement. He's kind of got the ministry of encouragement really dialed in. And um, the Bible tells us about him that he was a good person, full of Holy Spirit and faith. And that's really what we need to be as well. That should be said of us, filled with those things so that we can go and encourage the world around us. This week I'll be in verse 5 of Philippians 4, talking about gentleness. But uh, And think about gentleness as I give you the bad jokes. So this guy walks into a library, he walks up to the librarian, and he, he asks her where the books on paranoia are. And she leans to him and says, they're right behind you. <laughs> it goes downhill from there. Did you hear about the cheese that's been working out? Yeah, Shredded. Speaking of shredded cheese, why do detectives love Mexican restaurants? Because they give them good case ideas. <laughs> Thank you. That last one had more groans than I know, and, and yeah. you, know, you know that's what I'm shooting for, right? I don't want to... Yes, I do know that's what you're shooting for. Good job. <laughs> okay, let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? <clears throat> Lord, you are so, so good to us. And Papa, you have set eternity in the hearts of men and women. And so, Lord, we long for you as in a dry and weary land, and we ask for your refreshing again today. Papa, we long for the day when all oppression will cease. Lord, I pray right now that your eyes would be on the disenfranchised, that your eyes would be on those that are displaced today all over this world, Papa, the ones right in front of us and the ones across the sea. Be with us today as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? This text is out of 1 Kings. It's a familiar passage. It's right after Elijah defeats all the prophets of Baal, and then somebody says something mean to him. And so this is what happens. The Lord appears to Elijah, starting in chapter 19, starting in verse 11. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. 
Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Blessed be the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Did you ever feel like people were staring at you? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, last week, we were in verse 4, Philippians 4, 4 through 8, talking about rejoicing in the Lord, and we're going to press in, but... You know, my hope is, take this whole month and just be thinking about Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Because it's, it's, it's really Paul helping us practically to understand fruit of the Spirit being developed in our lives. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends understanding, regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is a passage about being encouraged so that we can encourage well. And I said we were in verse 4 last week. We talked about rejoicing. And I said joy was a fruit of the Spirit. And Paul really connects that into this verse in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And the reality is that when we're rejoicing in the Lord, when we're walking in the Lord, when we're experiencing the new creation life that he has brought for us, it's very hard to be selfish, self-centered, rude. It's very difficult for those things to happen. And the, it's so important to get because rejoicing and gentleness really help us to know that we have our focus and our perspective on what really matters, on, on the eternal, on new creation. And when we're not experiencing those things, probably our perspective is off a little bit and we're more concerned about the temporary. And so this idea of gentleness is really important for us to get because We live in a culture and time when it's not really considered one of the most important things any longer. Uh, It's kind of been lost to something else. And gentleness is its pretty interesting and you really have to be thinking about it and asking yourself how you're doing because we have a tendency to be less than gentle nowadays and that's become more the norm and we might not even realize that we've sort of stepped off the path that we should be on. So gentleness means, uh, well, it means like maybe losing an argument every now and again. 
Um, it means sometimes foregoing the last word. And people are like, all right, I'm out of here. No, <laughs> that's not happening. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, letting others have their way. Uh, there's, there's some things about gentleness that we need to understand. But you also need to understand that it's not weakness, which is what people often think it is. Gentleness is, wait, it's, gentleness is more like a, a strength under control. It's, it's really an important thing for us to get a hold of and to understand. And it's, it's the reason I had Alice start with the reading that she did, because I, I can't really break down that story today in First Kings, but you should. Uh, go and hang out in the chapters right before it. And you'll see as she was introducing, Elijah has had this tremendous victory in the Lord. Uh, and just, you know, God has shown up and proven himself real. And Elijah's on this high and this one evil queen says, I'm going to get you. And he completely crashes and runs and hides. And yet God, his, he loves us so much that even when that's sort of our response, he pursues us. And, and I think he's demonstrating to an Elijah, to Elijah in this situation, uh, just how much he loves him. And, and he's, he's all powerful God. But watch, watch how he approaches with Elijah. The Lord said, go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord's about to pass by. And then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. A hurricane happens. It's like, the, what you're about to read here is like the biggest disaster movie you would ever seen. Hurricane, earthquake, fire, all right after each other, right? But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Now, and Elijah's going through all these things. He's getting his attention for sure. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then comes a fire. And the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then comes a gentle whisper. And that's where the Lord is. And, and that's what Elijah responds to. And we, we need to see that as well, is that the, there's a power in gentleness that changes things and changed Elijah so that he could move again in the right direction with the Lord. And so we need to be aware of that. And certainly, maybe one of the best models of gentleness that we have was the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and he's a perfect demonstration of what gentleness looks like. You can't confuse him for being weak in any way. Uh, and yet, he, he was willing to do what needed to be done. And he cares about people. You just see him moving towards the broken and the lost and the down and outers and the sick. And, and he, I love when I read the scripture how he sees people that everybody else doesn't see any longer. And he hears people that everybody else is trying to hush quiet and he reaches out to them and he ministers to them and he loves on them and he demonstrates kingdom to them and he invites them in to come and be a part. And, and this is the heart of Jesus and it's extremely gentle in all its power and it changes people. And, and he teaches his disciples and on the Sermon on the Mount, he's really coming in to sort of, he's, he's setting things back right, is what the people have gotten confused from the true heart of the ten words that were given and what they meant. They were all a love thing. They've changed them into a rule thing, which doesn't work for anybody. And Jesus comes, and in the Sermon on the Mount, which is very similar, he's demonstrating what new creation looks like. But this is how it was always supposed to be, and this is what it looks like. And one of the first things that he says to him is, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
and again, culturally, we think well, that doesn't even seem to make sense. The meek, because we we look meek, we see meek, we think weak, and we go, "What in the world is that all about?" That's not. We can't. That's not what's supposed to work. But just the way Paul connected joy and gentleness, that's what that first part of that verse does. Because it could easily say, you know, joyful are the gentle. Same words. Or gentle are the joy-filled. That's what's supposed to be happening. And so this is really important that we get a hold of it. So I want to talk about that, sort of practical ways of getting looking at gentleness, and then we'll, we'll finish up on the little Sermon on the Mount, half of that verse, uh, towards the end, as we press on. But what does it look like? to be a gentle person because we don't have many current models for this. We've got Jesus, fortunately, and that's what matters. But again, culturally, we don't have it. So there are some things that you can do, and I think they're very helpful, and, and that there's a couple of questions that I think we need to be asking ourselves all the time because you see the power and gentleness to change people and even change our own lives. And the first question that we need to be asking ourselves is how we treat people. How do you treat people? And I'm talking about in your day-to-day life. Uh, not, you know, just when you're out and about doing the things that you're doing. How do you treat people? Uh, here's how we should be going. Paul says in Romans 12, 9 and 10 that love must be sincere. We're supposed to be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Just a reminder that, you know, this is his story. It's not all about us. And as we move into our day-to-day lives, we need to be aware that we're in, in his story and to start trying to live it more like he does. But where we get distracted is that because life is busy and because we're always sort of pressing in and we're trying to accomplish things, that if we're not careful, people, um, instead of being like, we don't see them as, as, as beings created by God who he, he, he extravagantly loves. And those who don't know him, God wants to be in relationship with them. And he's counting on us to, to draw them in. But instead of hanging on to that, we get busy and people, if we're not careful, blend off into the scenery, which means they're there, but you really don't see them anymore. You see them, but you don't see them. You know, they're just part of the, the, the scenery. Or they become machinery, just part of the machinery. They're there to do what you need to have done in your life. They're there to make your life go better. And, and oftentimes the only reason the machinery becomes less than, more than scenery is because they're not doing something that we want them to do and it's causing us an issue. And we will often take it out on these very people that are just trying to help us or do whatever it is they do. And we stop being gentle. We become something completely different. And, and it's very easy at that point to become rude or offensive. And I'm, I'm sure you're not doing that, but you see it all the time. <laughs> and yet, it, it's, it's a, when you feel yourself getting that way, becoming frustrated... You need to pause and refocus because it means that it's all about you at that moment. I laugh all the time here and I talk about my driving struggles. And I think the reason, well, A, because most of you can relate to, to driving. And the thing about driving is it really reveals a lot about you. Because you're, you're, you're shut into your own sort of personal space. You have, you have what you feel is some sense of autonomy. 
Like, especially if you don't have the Christian bumper stickers on the back of your car. And uh, my car doesn't have nothing on it. <laughs> you got them Love Jesus stickers on there. You better be acting different when you drive. <laughs> don't have the follow me to vineyard if you're not going to drive right. I don't want to play. Ah, and and here's what happens: is that driving, going, it just becomes about us going from here to there. We've generally cut it a little too short time-wise, so there's another layer of, and everybody else on the road is just in our way. We forget that they have their own lives and that they matter and they've got things going on and that they count and it's every bit, but we begin to, and it becomes more about us and we have all these issues and we think we've got to teach people how to drive and all those things. And So I noticed this recently. Over the last couple of years, I really haven't had to drive at night very much. COVID and everything, we were, we were coming out in the day and stuff, but it wasn't just as much as night driving. And that something has changed over the last few years with headlights. Now, if you're older, you'll remember when headlights were kind of these very faded yellow things off in the distance. And, and then, if someone had their high beams on, it was extremely knowable. It was a big difference from the small faded yellow thing to a slightly brighter thing. But it's not like that anymore. Headlights are not faded in yellow. They're white and blue. I, you, you feel me? The new headlights? And they're pretty bright anyway. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So, so we're driving at night the other day, and I'm, I'm driving down, and there's someone, and they're all bright anyway, but I'm sure this person has the high beamers on, right? Now... In back in the day, if somebody had their high beams on, there was two things you could do. You could do a little courtesy flash to kind of say, could you please, you're, you're killing me here. Or you could just jump right into the, I'll show you, poof. No. Which is so dangerous because now both of you are blind, right? Heading each other at a high rate of speed. You couldn't be more stupid than to blind the person who's blinding you. Somebody has to be able to... That's not the point. So, And I'm driving down, and I'm, all these headlights are coming, and there's this one, and I'm like, oh, man, that is the brightest headlight I've ever seen, ever. And so I did the courtesy flash. Blip, blip, real quick. Blip, blip. Well, teaching them a lesson, you know, how to drive. Well, apparently that wasn't their high beams. Because they responded... And I'm, I'm telling you, it was like aliens landing, UFOs, lights. Light filled my car. I was like, ah! I had, I had light spots for weeks. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I don't do that anymore. But you get it, how... It's, it's just, a, it's, a, it's really a good... If you think you're doing well, just go driving around and see how you're really at. And in your relationships... With people, this is another great test. So, relationships are not just about us, right? They're about the people we're in relationship with. In fact, it should be more. If you're, that verse that I just read, you should be more about that. And if if you're in a re- relationship, take your frustration pulse. And if your frustration is really high when you're around the people that you love, who you want to be in relationship with, it means that it's out of focus because it's more about you than them. And it's just a great warning sign. 
and, and you need to refocus. There's something about you that needs to change at that point in getting that right. So we have this whole idea about how do we treat people. And then, this is another biggie. How do you handle what you know? Or at least think you know. And this is a major problem that uh, is going on uh, culturally in ways that I, I've, you know, in my life haven't seen. It's, it seems to be getting worse. I, I know it's, a, I'm pretty confident it's a byproduct of being constantly bombarded with fear and negativity and bad news and, and these, you know, strong opinions that everybody's always giving at it. And then our response is that, that we think we need to have our own strong opinions and that everybody needs to hear them. And I get it. We've always had opinions. We always will have opinions. There's nothing wrong with opinions. But you do not need to share your opinions most of the time. Because now what happens is that it used to be we didn't, we knew people and we liked people and we may not have known really all their opinions about everything. And that was fine. Uh, And now we know everybody's opinions about all sorts of things. And when they disagree with our opinions, we quit having relationships. And, and it, it just can't be like that. We need to be able to walk hand in hand with people even if we don't see eye to eye. You, you need to be able to agree to disagree with someone and still press on. And we've, we've sort of lost that ability and we need to recapture it. It's important. And gentle people will go after that. It's, it's okay for you to... Especially the temporary things. Listen, you know, we uh, things that are eternal, new creation things... I will, I will ask God to lovingly let me introduce those things. But my opinions on temporary things and everything other than new creation is temporary just don't matter. And I, I would, I would hate to get so caught up in having to give out my opinions on temporary things that I lose the ability to share what really matters and that's Jesus. So we have to continually press in. So how do you handle what you know? Here's what we're supposed to do. Paul says in Colossians 3, As God's chosen people, that's you, holy and dearly loved, also you, clothe yourselves, and it's fruit of the Spirit stuff. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Can you think about what that looks like in the way that you relate to people? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. Here's a big kicker, as the Lord forgave you. That impacts me because the Lord has forgiven me and continues to forgive me so much. And he says, you know, you need to be operating that way too. And over all of this, all this stuff that's going on, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We're to be, we're to be loving well. We're to, we're to, listen, we, we matter, we belong, and, and so do other people. And we need to figure out what that looks like. So we have to be asking ourselves, you know, am I teachable or am I not teachable? Uh, is, it, is it important to always prove myself right? Or, or can I actually try and learn where someone else is coming from and why, even if I don't necessarily agree with them? And I was trying to talk about this last night after the service I was having a conversation with folks and I've had this thought it's not a perfectly figured out illustration but it's a thought and we were I was discussing it with him and it's like it when there's people in a room oftentimes there's this sort of at either end of the spectrum there's there's people who think they're smarter than everybody in the room and then there's people who think they have to prove that they're the smartest 
smartest person in the room. And then there's people who don't think they belong in the room at all. And, and my, my hunch is the reality is, especially as believers, listen, you absolutely belong in the room because Holy Spirit's in you and He has all wisdom. And so you carry all wisdom into the room with you. You absolutely belong there. And you can settle in that to a place where you don't have to try and prove that to everybody else. And, and you can allow those people who think they're the smartest or whatever to, to just keep doing whatever that is. But in, rather than, you know, dismissing them, hopefully because you know you belong in the room and that you have Holy Spirit in you, that instead of trying to work all those dynamics out that people have, you can just be in the room to bless and encourage everybody else that's in the room. So that they can come to understand that they belong in the room as well. And they don't have to be the smartest person in the room or prove it or any of those things. They can just be Holy Spirit in the room, that person, and find life there and rest there. And so that's really important as well. Lastly, I'll go quick. How do you look at the world? Because, uh, again, it, it wants to pull us in a wrong direction. Uh, look at this passage, First Timothy six ten. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Let me stop it there and say this is one of the misquoted, uh, the most misquoted Bible passage there is. Because a lot of people will say that what that says is that money is a root of all kinds of evil. That is not what that passage says. What does it say? The love of money is the problem. Money is necessary in the way that we operate today. It's, it's the currency of the world. And, and what I would suggest to you is that the currency of the kingdom, and this is the series Doug and I are going to do, is about the fruit of the Spirit. And that that's far more important. And, and which should be most important in our lives is a pretty good determination of, of how we're tracking. Are we caught on the temporary where the pursuit of money overcomes everything else? I'm not saying money is bad. I, I don't believe that at all. It's necessary. We, you know, and, and uh, some of you are very gifted with money and praise God for that. And others, you know, we're, we're catching up to it or whatever. But, but it can't be the, the focus in our lives because it takes us off track. Look, some people eager for money. When that becomes a focus, what they've done is they've wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Because it's sad. You know, that the problem with the love of money is if you're successful and you achieve all the money that you think that you need or want, usually A, it's never enough. And B, lots of people then are really unsatisfied because it didn't do what they thought it was going to do. And then what? Well, hopefully they, they realize that it was Jesus all along, right? But, but still, it's sad. But it says, you, people of God, flee from that. Don't pursue that. Don't, that's not where you're going to find life. Instead, fruit of the Spirit stuff. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. That's not different from what... that. That's the good fight of faith. What are you going to pursue? Are you going to pursue what the world offers or what God offers? That's where, that's where the rubber hits the road. You focus in and you press in and you allow Holy Spirit to develop His fruit in you. Take hold of the eternal life, this new creation life to which you were called when you made your good confession uh, uh, in the presence of many witnesses. See, it's, it's a perspective thing and it's what really matters. Quickly. Last half of that Matthew 5, 5 verse says, The meek will inherit the earth. What does that mean, to inherit the earth? And why would we want to? And, and if your thinking of how all this works has been that at some point in the distant future, 
the earth is kind of exploded and wiped out and we sort of float off in disembodied form up into the clouds and have harps and stuff, then you would think, well, that's a crummy inheritance. You're just going to blow it up anyway. But if you've listened to the story and understand and you've been reading the scripture and you've heard me talk over and over again about what really happens in Revelation 21 and that you see that what happens is that the New Jerusalem comes out of heaven to earth. Heaven and earth are connected the way God always wanted them to be. Earth is renewed and restored, not destroyed. Renewed, restored. You get new physical bodies. That's what resurrection is all about. That's a big deal. You don't need a new physical body if you're going to float off in a cloud. You get it because God has always wanted this, this planet. He created it so that He could dwell with us. We would dwell together. The enemy messed it up. Our sin messed it up. But He's done everything that needed to happen to make it right again when he came to the cross and defeated death and he's coming back for soon and plan A is still in effect there's going to be a planet perfect where God and us exist together forever that's our hope look what Peter said but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but how do you do it? gentleness and respect there's so much power in gentleness to change people's lives forever and it's something Holy Spirit wants to develop in all of us so be thinking about it and just yield to him and allow him to do that in you as we continue to press on all of this starts by knowing Jesus that's how the story for you begins Jesus invites us into his story, and the way we accept the invitation is we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you've never done it, I want to encourage you, do it right now. Best decision you will ever make in your life. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? It changes everything, and everything starts at that moment. That's that good confession that we read about. It changes everything. Do it today. Jesus Will you be my Lord and Savior? Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. And let's just press in together. Ministry-wise, I just had a couple couple things the Lord showed me in worship this morning. And one was that somebody, you were somewhere this week with your friends or at an event, I'm not sure. And you you were sitting there, but you felt like you didn't fit. And the Lord wants you to know today that you are a perfect fit in his family and a perfect fit in the kingdom of God. So if that's for you, that's kind of a normal feeling because you're, you're part of the royal priesthood. And then the other ones, I think someone's having dental work this week on your lower part of your mouth. And I think you're afraid about it, but the Lord wants you to know it's going to be okay. And I want to just pray that if that's you, get some prayer from our ministry team today and, and know that the Lord's looking out for you. Amen. And, and Lord, we are so thankful for who you are in our lives. And I pray that you would help us all to press in and to understand what it means to be gentle and that we would see the power that it has in the world around us. And God, help each one of us to... to be gentle people to make a difference in our world for you. And we are so grateful, God, for who you are in our lives today. So if you need prayer for anything, make sure you let someone pray for you before you go. Let's sing the doc. So, no, thank you for being generous. I always forget. And uh, 
We love partnering with you guys. Thank you for your faithfulness, your giving, your offering, your tithing. Bless you, bless you, bless you for that. Let's sing the doxology and they'll find the kids and release them and then we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Prayers over there. These doors will be open for you. Head out that way. Have a great weekend. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. I hit the wrong button there, so uh, my, my bad. But anyway, love you guys. Thanks for watching. Philippians 4, 6 next week. Have a great rest of the day and a great week. See you soon, guys. Love you. Bye-bye.